Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, John Willoughby-Lore, and today my guest is Harriet McGuigan. Is that how you say it? Yeah, McGuigan. We did well. Okay. Um, so she is all about psychotherapy and helping people help themselves. And I'm going to let her tell you more about her story because she's super, super interesting. But this episode is our first episode in a series of interviews that I'm going to do on the subject of generational trauma because it has randomly come up in uh, almost all of the episodes that we've done in some way or another. And uh, I thought it was something that was uh, worthy of investigating further. So we're going to see where this goes. So welcome, Harriet. Will you tell everyone a little bit more about you and where you come from? Thank you so much, Jenna. And I just want to acknowledge the amazing work and service that you're doing and, you know, using your intelligence and your tech knowledge to, to, to you know, I'm you're in New York, I'm in Ireland right now, and we're just using the beautiful um, availability of the internet. It can be used for such good, and you're one of those people, you know, that's using it for good. So I just want to thank you before I talk. And um, I suppose, yeah, my name is Harriet McGuigan, and I am a fully registered psychotherapist. I've been practicing for the last 10 years and I work with many entrepreneurs because I think if we've had trauma, we like to work. We like to be the CEOs of their of our own lives. So a lot of the people that I work with are entrepreneurs and they come to me because they're underperforming and they don't consciously know why they're underperforming. It doesn't make sense. Um, and so when they work with me, I help them change their mindset, get laser focus and start living abundantly, using strategies that they have a way to keep moving forward and leaving the past where it belongs in the past. And also what I'm all about is first to have compassion. You know, you shared a little bit of your story with me when we chatted last week. And what what can happen to us when we've had trauma or when we're survivors of trauma or survivors of our own experience that may be different to how the other kids in school were we, we attack ourselves a thousand times more than even whatever anyone said to us. Or if our situation was unusual, we attack ourselves inside a thousand times more. So it can really lead to chronic illness. You know, I, I, I'm someone who lives with chronic illness and I know it's due to trauma. And it can lead to rage attacks on ourselves or on our kids. Um, if we don't have the right support. And it's not today, I'm a mom of two. I have a 13, gorgeous 13-year-old 13 and an 11-year-old. But what I've learned is the more self-compassion I have, the more I have um, access to getting back on the horse, be that in parenting, in work, that actually serves my kids much better than kind of falling into this hole going, oh my God, they deserve a better mom. And I'm I'm the perfect mom for them. I am not a perfect mom. But, you know, every every... I believe that every life experience we've had, you wouldn't be doing this podcast today, Jenna. You wouldn't be becoming curious only because of your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's like the world is such a crazy place, especially for women and moms, is that it's so kind of, I don't know, societally frowned upon to take time for yourself and to focus on yourself and that if you do take time for yourself, then you're taking time away from your children, even if it's something that you really need to take care of yourself and to be a better parent or be a better person in the world. And it's hard to kind of get over that, you know, the mom guilt uh, that follows yeah. us around all the time. It's yeah. It's so wise what you said, you know, that it's crazy because actually we're a lot better in our I'm a lot better as a mom even if I'm only with them for five minutes in the day when I looked after myself that five minutes is more is 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 more golden than if I'm all day with them because it doesn't suit me to be endlessly with my kids and I when they were smaller 
I wanted to be the perfect mom. I wanted to have stability and I wanted to create this kind of little house in the prairie. You're probably much younger than me, but in, when I watched it as a kid, it was all about the picket, white picket fence and the perfect life. But I found that it didn't suit me being at home all the time with the kids. It wasn't good for the kids either. And because of how I was getting reactive with them and it wasn't because I was a bad person or a bad mom. I realized it was due to trauma and it was due to that they were just hitting up against like it's like if you have a cut and it, there's a scab over it and they'd hit against the scab just because they were kids and then I would bleed. But I didn't know these things. So I help women to be really compassionate to themselves, to actually take time away like your life depends on it and your life in your children's life depends on it. And so yeah. it is about a mindset change. And it's so disappointing that society frowns upon something that actually means that you would be a better mom. Exactly. And I love that you're even saying it, that there's, you know, that it's not the best thing for your kids, for you to be with them a hundred percent of the time, because I, I feel that way too, is that my, my kids really benefit from time that they spend with other adults that are not me. And that I'm definitely not the best parent for them when I'm with them all the time because of my own upbringing. I mean, having so many different parents raise me, it's, it goes against everything that I was raised with to be around any of my family members a hundred percent of the time. Like I, I just, I don't even know how to do that. And it's, it's interesting that for someone who grew up in a family where both my parents were married to other people and everybody had gotten divorced at least once. And there was all this like relationship drama all over the place. And, and none of my siblings were my full siblings. I have half siblings and step siblings and step half siblings. <laughs> and, um, it's just interesting to me that I ended up, you know, knock on wood, still married to the first guy I married didn't have any kids before I got married. It was very, it was all very intentional. We planned everything. And, um, it's, I, it's harder than I thought it would be. I didn't realize before I got married, how different my upbringing was from his and how it would change the way that I was a parent. I just, it didn't occur to me at all that that would affect me until I was like, wow, I'm totally overwhelmed being with the same people all the time. And it's so hard for me. Yeah. trying to figure out how to be that person or if I ever could be that person. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's really about honoring Jana, you know, and for any of the listeners, it's about the, the we're actually better moms when we really honor our own experience, like when things are overwhelming for us. And we don't really know, actually, I was a perfect mom until I became a mom. You know, I had the fantasy and I used to nanny and I, I'm Montessori trained. I have a lot of, psychological intellectual experience about being a parent but nothing prepared me for the people these little people hitting up against my wounds I couldn't read about that in a book I couldn't talk my way out of that I couldn't feel like I had to really it was until I become a became a mother did I really have to kind of dig deep about what's going on here like what you said you didn't know marrying your husband having your children that it was going to explode. I'm not saying anything's exploding, but what I'm, what I'm trying to say is you didn't know all of this buried trauma would kind of come to the surface, I, I guess, until you actually got into the ring, got into the situation. And um, there's a wisdom in you, Jenna, and you're doing your healing your way. Everyone does their healing in their own way. And that's what I love people to hear as well that are listening. There is no one side fits all so some of your healing is through these podcasts and chatting to different experts and I will just share bits of what, what has worked for me and what I do with my clients you know as I'm sitting with you I've got a weighted blanket on me and weighted blankets are like the research with weighted blankets they're excellent if you survive trauma like they they calm the nervous system see when we've lived in chaos and our trauma is all um tailored to us, you know, but trauma is trauma. So yours is Jana's type of just, as you say, having all these stepsisters and brothers and half stepsisters and your parents not being married and they were married to other people. And even you telling me, I feel tired. 
So can you imagine that little one in you? Mm-hmm. You know, so I love educating women to mind the little one in, in themselves, not through their children, but like, for example, having a teddy bear that represents little Jana or for your listeners. So sometimes I put a teddy bear and wrap it up and it's like I can leave the child then go, you're you're not welcome now. I'm doing dinner and I need to be a mom right now. So I love you, but you need to go and have a rest. You know, so yeah. it's being creative. You see, I love teaching people and reminding people that we can be victims and then we're rigid or we can be survivors and then we're flexible, Janet, because people can live through the most horrendous circumstances from being survivors of the Holocaust to being incarcerated for 25 years like Nelson Mandela. But it's how we use what happened to us. Do we become victims and just shoot up crack cocaine? Or do we, you know, when we're ready, do we want to become the best version of ourselves, but have compassion and have our weight of like, I'll never heal from my trauma. But what I want people to say is that no one will actually, and this might sound a bit depressing, but I have strategy, like I'll be continuously healing. So I have strategies every day that honors what I survived to keep me in the present moment. It doesn't mean that I don't get flat and overwhelmed. And sometimes like I feel like I'm watching sometimes my husband and kids. You know, I'm kind of an observer going, yeah. I don't know how to step in. But the more I suppose, and I'm at little, I'm 43 now, and I've at times I could look back when they were younger and feel desperately, you know, I could I could have a lot of ammunition to beat myself up for how unavailable I was, but it really was the best I could do at the time. And the more I really Stay close to my healing. Children are, look at look at us, Jenna. Children are very adaptable. Our brain is elastic. So our brain can change. So my 13-year-old today is doing really well, even though I didn't give her everything she needed when she was young. Mm-hmm. But I brought her, I, got, I brought her to play therapy. I had the wisdom to go, okay, I need other people to help my daughter here, help me. And she's doing fine. She's a normal 13-year-old. She's not perfect. And her mom is a normal good enough 43 year old so if anything from this podcast what i want people to go we're still lovable even though we're survivors of trauma what we go into is this hatred you know and this attacking i've developed a chronic illness i'm still lovable i have to keep trusting whatever presents to me in some ways the chronic illness has actually slowed me down so it's been a blessing in disguise even though i wouldn't wish physical pain on anyone but Everything that presents to us can be an opportunity to grow and learn, or we can fall into the victim rigid place, which is kind of a crap place, because then we're just kind of, even if we're not doing drugs or drinking, we're just kind of drunk in our lives. Mm-hmm. We're just watching life happen. Yeah. It, it reminds me of this. I wrote a poem when I was maybe, I don't know, eight, something like that. And it's one of the lines that I've written in my life that just randomly pops into my head and really just sticks with me a lot. And it was scars are twice as strong, you know, cause they hold on and rebuild. And say that again. That's amazing. Scars are twice as strong. Scars are twice as strong. You know, they hold on and rebuild. And I just really liked picturing myself as this person that was like holding myself together while like stitching it together at the same time. And, And, you know, there's, especially with the, you know, physicality of women's bodies, like our bodies just tend to get scarred more by becoming women and becoming mothers. And, you know, (laughs) I don't think there's a single mother out there that doesn't have at least one mark that proves somehow that uh, she had a baby. And, you know, you're, it, it obviously it changes you mentally, but being a mother changes your whole body physically forever and it's never going back. And it can be a really hard thing to come to grips with. Um, and yes. I, I've, I've felt a lot about like kind of once you become a mother, it's hard to fight against that feeling that your role of being really beautiful is over. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's one thing I've definitely like struggled with um, that being okay with the fact that my body is going to look different and there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, and that's been tricky. And I, I was also, um, I wrote this this poem right after I gave birth to my first son. It's called After the Party. And it's about while you're pregnant and 
you're huge and round all the time, people are like, oh, look at that pregnant body. You're really beautiful. Look how huge you are. That's so great. You're glowing. And like, they just have all these amazing compliments about the fact that your body is huge. <laughs> and then any mm -hmm. other time in a woman's life, if any of your body is, is huge and round, it is not a good thing. And yeah, you're kind of described as lazy or, you know, it's, it's critical. It's yeah, and, it's your, and it's your fault that you're not beautiful anymore. And, yeah. but like, you know, like while you're pregnant, everyone is so complimentary about everything that you're doing. And then as soon as the baby is born, the mother is like nothing. And everyone is like, oh, look at that baby. I know. And it's like the mother just sort of disappears. And, and when, when a baby is born, a mother is born actually. Mm -hmm. And so what I do when I actually message people that are new mothers, I, I honor that. And I often, you know, when the baby becomes one, I say, congratulations on being a mother one whole year and you know people kind of say Harry that's so lovely because like that the mother is invisible it's like when the mother has the baby everyone wants to come and see the baby and hold the baby and nobody asks are you bleeding are you sore do your nipples hurt you know it can be so hard and then we can go into attacking ourselves because we feed that societal thing of I need to get my flat stomach now I need to be out of my dressing gown I'm not supposed to have postnatal depression I'm you know whatever, whatever, whatever. And healing is about kind of coming away from the rat race. And actually, um, Jana, the, the interesting thing is that in the olden days, a voluptuous body was a sign of wealth and beauty. So you look at all the art from the Renaissance period and the women were peachy and had bums and people that were very thin were poor and waifs. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's so messed up. Society is just like, is if, if you were listening to society, of what was beautiful and what wasn't beautiful, we would be literally head F U C K E D. You know, yeah. it's so it's a little bit about finding a way that happens with time to go. How can I beat my own drum? How can I honor the journey Jana had? The wisdom. I mean, the poetry that you write. Even you telling me about the scar. I was like, I, I I want you to send me that after we chat because you wouldn't have that access to that depth of poetry only because of your story so it's eventually coming to a place for all of us who really want to survive trauma and thrive and live alongside how affected we are by going what what learning is there you know it's like the the intuition i have is because of the chaos i have a like laser intuition but i wouldn't have that today i wouldn't be as superb as a therapist or a human in the world only because of all the ways I had to watch movements and eye movements. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't wish that on any little five-year-old because it's lovely for five-year-olds when they could just be free and easy. But because I had that experience, this is what I can offer today, like your poetry. So it's changing. It's turning around the story to become actually our superpower, then collapsing in it and kind of getting depressed. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean we won't feel depressed, but it's not, not defining ourselves. I, I definitely can be depressive at times in feelings, but only if I attack myself. If the, if you let the feelings pass through, if I do that, then the sun comes out again. You know, and it's just being honest to our partners. I have an amazing husband too. Like I met him young. We met at 11. We weren't together like physically at 11, but we met. Like I believe our souls were meant to have met. He's amazing. We've had our journey and I've been a nightmare at times when I've been lashing out and had to, you know, today, 21 years together, you know, I'm very respectful, but I'm respectful to me. When I started being respectful to me, everything else changed. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's so wild thinking that, I mean, the way that my mom mothered me was because she was really rebelling against the way that her mother mothered her. I mean, my, my grandmother was very much like, the the perfect mother i mean on on paper and you know everything in her house was like bleached with comet cleanser and smelled like smell dial it. soap I and i can really still smell it, it was strong. oh yeah and like the furniture had plastic on it and you were not ruining her nice things and uh you know you were not going to disappoint her because she was the queen you know and and my mother and i remember i can will never ever forget when she told me this when she was young, she really wanted to be a ballerina. Wow. And 
she had flat feet and had to wear special shoes and like it was never happening for her she was never going to be a ballerina it was like not in the cards and so her mom had to go and get her these specially made shoes and so she couldn't get her you know any toe shoes she at eight years old borrowed a pair of toe shoes from a friend put them on when for some reason no one else was home i don't know how this happened but no one was home with her at eight and she put these ballerina toe shoes on and ran into the middle of her room and jumped up and landed on her toes with absolutely no ballet training at all and immediately broke both of her feet and instead of like finding her parents wherever they were and telling them i made this huge mistake i need help she scooched down the stairs on her butt with two broken feet reached up into a drawer got two plastic spoons and a roll of black electrical tape and put the spoons on the bottom of her feet and taped them on with the electrical tape and put her special shoes on and never told anyone ever and continued to go to school every day and like go to gym class and run track when she was supposed to on her broken feet every day and taping these spoons on her feet and hid it from her parents. And the only reason that her parents ever found out is that she got Hodgkin's disease when she was 20 years old and they had to do a scan of her whole entire body. And when they did all the scans and the x-rays, the doctor came into the room where she's with her mother at 20, 21 years old, I think. And the doctor comes in and says, so who set your feet? They did a good job. (laughs) And my grandmother's like, what are you talking about? She never broke her feet. And the doctor pulls up the x-ray and says, oh yes, definitely she did. How do you not see it? And my mom was still like looking at the doctor, like, don't tell her, don't tell her. She can't know that I, you know, made this stupid mistake. And, you know, she was so afraid of disappointing her mother and, and having her mother, buy those shoes for her as a waste, like that she wouldn't be able to wear those shoes because her feet were broken. But if we bring the psychology into it, look at the wisdom your mother had as as an eight-year-old. And I know she wasn't a perfect mother as my mother wasn't, as I'm not, as you're not, as none of us are, but we all do our best. But look at the wisdom at eight, how she nearly became a, a doctor to herself. Yeah. And how she was smart enough to realize this was going to be the best way to deal with it by actually medicating herself and getting on with it. And I suppose it's using that energy. What happens us if we if we have to grow up very quickly when we're little and adapt like you had to with all the houses and all the cousins, all the step siblings and watching all the personalities and your room here, your room there, you had rooms and you know, you had all these rooms basically. So what happens is we can be quite exhausted when we actually become adults ourselves. So I want you guys to hear that, and you're listening to me as well, Jana, about it, that by the time then it's time for us to be adult, we're, we're exhausted, we're done. We feel 100 years old. Mm-hmm. So we can't, you know, it's that exhaustion. So when we know it, when we catch that exhaustion, what I mean to say is like honoring it, being compassionate to ourselves like what you said there's times when you know you're a better mom by stepping away like I know too I know I need and that's why COVID like I'm we're very lucky where we live lots of space but like I know when I hit my limit of I just need to be I just need to be with nobody I don't even want to be with Harriet but it's like I'm I'm, we're with you're with Jana every day you I'm with Harriet every day all your if if we can't be our own best friend we're stuck with us. So we start to destroy ourselves. That's why we go into addiction, self-harm, blading ourselves, over-tattooing ourselves. You know, we all have our addictions, overuse of social media, oversharing. All of that comes from that we're actually trying to tear our own skin up. And that's why that is tragic because somehow you were sent here, Janet. You're the perfect mom to build. You have boys, isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you have two boys. Mm-hmm. You're the perfect mom for them. We don't trust that. You know, it's like I used to kind of feel, my God, they'd be so better off if like the universe sent them a different mom, you know, all this crazy thought. And then I had to like go on my own path of going, I'm the perfect mom for them. Like your mom at eight, my daughter will have her story. But every day, you know, you talk about scars. I go on my walk and I just hand over what I can't give them 
to the universe go. I hope you'll find it through girlfriends, boyfriends, books, friends. I can't give them everything because I'm I'm operating from, if you think of Swiss cheese with holes, mm-hmm. I'm operating from a limited, but it's okay because I'm doing my best. Like your mom did her best and you're today doing your best. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I thought I would never forgive my mom or the generations before me. I mean, I had to go on my journey of it and get loads of support. But now at 43, I can go, you know, my mom used to always wash my clothes. That was so kind. You know, I can honor that. I can honor the good stuff now. Whereas before I just kept focusing on what I couldn't, what I didn't get. But how does she, like every generation before us does the best with their knowledge, awareness and experience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes their experience and awareness is quite limited. And you have more, inf- you know, you're, you're a truth seeker. What I feel from you is, Jenna, and that's probably people that are drawn to listening to your podcast. You want to, you're, there's a, there's a hunger in you to learn, to grow, to, I'm not stopping here. There's, you know, and that energy you have will actually open up your children to have that energy, actually, just by you. You know, yesterday it was really interesting. Just to give you an example, my son's 11 and he was having some challenges with his friends as you do at 11. They were playing, play, um, Fortnite together and he was like, they were being kind of pissed with each other his friends and I heard and then he said to me I kind of go easy on my, his friend say his name is John mm-hmm. because he doesn't have it that easy mom you know his his brother has health issues but I just thought in that moment as a mom I thought he's got compassion he's got empathy he's got a capacity to think of other people doesn't mean he's not a little what will we call we won't use any bad language little brat at times you know and right now he's not supposed to be on his PlayStation and he is but anyway We'll breathe. But what I'm trying to say is when I mind Harriet, I can go in not attacking. When I don't mind me, I'm scary. You would hear me in New York roaring. And I I can feel it when my throat hurts. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm bad. It's because I'm a trauma survivor. And I want people to hear that listening that I used to think I was evil because I, I had such a temper. But my temper was just a message that, Harriet, you're not taking care of yourself you need to te- go to someone to tell you because it's kind of like what wtf what does taking care of yourself even mean it can feel you know we hear it, self-care ner- it's like what does that even mean but i had the wisdom to go okay i'm just going to stay really close to i just met this older lady she's in her 70s and i just went to her every week for 10 years every single week even if everything else was falling apart i just kept going and that's that's what saved me Mm-hmm. And that's what saved my kids and my marriage. And that's why I can be of service now in the world because I'm still here. I didn't destroy myself. But we can destroy ourselves if we don't get the right support. Exactly. And it's it's crazy, too, that the, you know, self-care has gotten this. It's so, I don't know, kind of cliche. <laughs> like, oh, what's self-care? And they're like, oh, it's getting a pedicure or... <laughs> doing exercise. I'm like, no, exercise is healthcare. Like it's good to, to do that. You need yeah. to do that, but that is not necessarily it might be for Jenna. Yeah. You right. see, we have that's to not something you're doing just my for self-care. your own soul. My- it's like, you should do that so yeah. you don't die. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, like self-care can be saying, I can't handle these children right now. I have to go take a walk or I need to go. For your children. You yeah. know, it's like, Sometimes my kids used to be on TV too much when they were younger. And you you read all these, oh, no, TV is bad for your kids. They were better being on TV than me screaming at them. So in that moment, that was really good self-care. I just put the TV on. As you said, lay on my bed for a while, breathing, just going, okay, come on. You can get back to being. Because you see, when the wound, again, I'm talking about the scab. When the scab gets knocked off, all bets are off. When my scabs get knocked off, all bets are off. What I mean is the amygdala, you see, if we talk about it from even, and I know you're smart and you like learning, I can feel that from you. So basically the frontal cortex is this part of our brain. So it's our forehead. So that's the part that has empathy and compassion. But when we've had trauma, this shuts down. So when I don't give myself enough time to catch that this is shut down, that's when I go in like a tiger as a mom. So when I kind of go, okay, this is, if I give myself that time to just go leave the telly on, okay, he's done eight hours, 
fortnight. It's not the end of the world. It's not, you know, because we catastrophize then and we're like, oh, he's going to become complete, like he's never going to leave his room. And and then when I'm calmer again, then I can go, Ali, seriously, we need to look at your internet use or your, you know, but it's, I'm talking then as a 43-year-old. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I haven't flipped my lid. I talk a lot about this with moms. This is when we flip our lid, but it's just because we're tra- we've trauma, so the scab gets knocked off. So it's we're finding ways all the time to get the lid back on. And the research, and I, I can only share my take on it, is that we get our lid back on, we meet a supportive other who walks the path with us and really reparents us, I guess. You know, that's what I've had to do. Other people do it through, like you, with your podcast, with maybe having your own business, with like your poetry. There isn't a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. But we all have to find something that heals our soul, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's such an interesting topic, just thinking about how, you know, the ways that we were raised as kids and the way our parents were raised as kids will just continuously affect every generation. And it's so crazy thinking that, you know, my mom was so afraid of, of disappointing her mother and admitting you know, that like she I just feel like giving her that little eight year old, you know, like, Oh my gosh, just, it's sad. Mm-hmm. There's, there's lots of grief really. And, and everyone doing their best. So even your granny who was bleaching, that was her best to clean everything and have everything proper. Oh, I have two dogs looking at me now. My two dogs have come up to check. What am I doing? But <laughs> but it's it, it's it's but we can create our own happily ever after. And sometimes I'm amazed too. My parents like it was very acrimonious. Like it wasn't um, an easy time. It wasn't easy ever, really. You know. Um, but I've created a home. I've actually created my happily ever after doesn't mean that I don't get flashbacks or I don't get depressive episodes, but I, but I've kept going, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm a living miracle and so many of us can do this, Jenna, mm. especially if we get the right support. We don't have to keep recreating. And they say, even if we change the trauma by 30%, we've done a good job because I used to want to change it like a hundred percent, but because I tried to be so perfect, I was making more of a mess. But now I can accept, even if I've changed 30% of what's passed on, that's a good percentage. I can accept that and I can feel that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking the other day too about how, you know, we can we can try so, so hard to do things differently than the way our parents did them um, and then end up doing the same thing that they were doing, but in a different way. Like, well, I remember when I was young, my mom never wanted me to cut my hair. She wanted it to be really long. And so she meant to. Yeah. And I, I asked her, you know, my, my stepmother actually took me to get a haircut in seventh grade. And I had not ever, I mean, since I had cut my own hair when I was maybe three, two and a half, something like that, I'd never had a haircut. And my hair was like really raggedy and I hated brushing it and I never wanted to deal with it or take care of it. And my stepmom, when I would go to their house on the weekend, I mean, she would be the one that brushed my hair out because I hadn't brushed it in like an entire week because I never wanted to do it. And my mom loved having my long hair, but never wanted to do anything with it and never had effort for it. So my stepmother took me to get a haircut and it wasn't even super short. She cut it to like here. And my mom was livid that my stepmom had taken me to get a haircut without her permission. And She's like, my mother made me cut my hair when I was young and I always wanted to have it long and she made me cut it. And so I wanted you to have long hair. And I was like, but you're doing the same thing to me that she did to you. I wanted to have shorter hair and you wouldn't let me and you wanted to have longer hair and she wouldn't let you. And it just, I could see it like wash over her face that she was trying so hard not to be like her mother. And she ended up being just like her mother. And she was like, oh my God, no. And you know, after that, she got to be really cool about it. And by the time I was a teenager, I had like cut all my hair off short and it was like hot green all the time. And, you know, she ended up being the parent when summer camp called and said, your daughter dyed her hair. She's like, oh, cool. What color is it now? You know, and the summer camp's like, what, you're not upset? And she's like, it's hair, it'll grow back. And that she had, you know, kind of, I had taught her that and she had changed that. And there are a I lot of 
things that I love that you said, you know, if you, if you can improve 30%, that's amazing. And growing up in a house where my mother was a total hoarder and I didn't even know we had hardwood floors till I was 20 years old. I'd never, ever seen them. And wow. when I went away to college, the first time that I had my own space in my dorm room, that I could set up however I wanted and organize however I wanted. And all of my things had their own place. And I even went like too far. I was definitely on like the OCD spectrum about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was Marie Kondoing long before there was Marie Kondo in my dorm yeah. room with my, all of my things and everything had to be really perfect. And even once I had my, my own home, I, everything was like that. And I was really like on top of cleaning and I would clean all the time. And as soon as I had kids, uh, all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I totally see why she never, ever cleaned. (laughs) If I did not have help right now, my house would probably not be as bad as hers because I had other adults who were good at cleaning, who taught me how to clean some things. But I I really have to fight hard against that um, total overwhelm when you see yes. so many things need to be cleaned or need to be dealt with and this, at once. And this is the, this is the overwhelm. It's the, it's when our lid gets split. Overwhelm is so common, but it's even when we know we're overwhelmed and all we sometimes have to do is take a few breaths, find something to mind that little one. Like, as I said, sometimes for me, it's a teddy bear, just resting the teddy bear, imagining that it's me and then getting on with my day because overwhelm can cause a lot of procrastination beating ourselves up, not having language to even, you know, it's like sometimes even saying to our partners, I just, I just, I just need a bit of time out. I love you all so dearly, but I just, I just need to walk by the river or, and you see, it's the lack of communication. And I had to learn that through going to this wise lady. See, we don't have those communication skills because if we didn't grow up with communication, it's a bit like knowing Japanese. How are you going to know Japanese if you didn't do Japanese from tiny tot? Yeah. So communication is huge. So, I mean, I'm loving this conversation, Jenna. And I just, you know, what I wanted to say to you was like, what a wise lady you are. You know, it's like, and even, and even I also want you to think about all the different experiences you had led you, they're, they're all part of you. So all these women that were in your life, you know, looking at what was, what was the positive? There was probably some hard things as there is for all of us, but there's lots of things you said it kind of quickly, but it's like you said, you know, I learned from all these adults. You did. And they, you've assimilated all of that. And again, of course, our mother is our mother. That That's the biggest wound because we grow in our mother, you know? Yeah. So I'm just looking at my dog sitting on the, when you say hello. Come on. Like dogs are totally welcome on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, Zola. and dogs. There's a reason Zola Irish right dog. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a she doesn't she she's a collie uh, sheepdog. But Zola has a very privileged princess life. She doesn't she doesn't do any work. <laughs> you know, but dogs are very healing. Dogs are very healing too. It's actually, I I'm a real believer of trusting everything. But her sitting here right now, like what I want to share with people is having a pet can be very, very healing because they're just so unconditionally loving. I couldn't have one when I when the kids were younger because I found it too stressful. I was so stressed anyway, you know. But when my kids got older, I was able to allow a pet in. I have two now. I've, I've Cupid and Zola. And um, they bring a lot of love, you know. They bring so much love. So another tip I would say is when people are ready, it doesn't mean it's right for everyone, but it's been very healing for me. It's like, you know, they have assistance dogs for kids with autism and Asperger's and guide dogs but dogs are really amazing trauma as well I just you know I get I get a lot of healing from from you don't I <laughs> yeah I think someday we'll probably have a dog my husband is a big time dog person but we just don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of time to devote to really like, too small Jenna. yeah they're little they're, they're not big enough yeah. And uh, I told my husband, I was like, someday when the kids are old enough to help you with the dog, you can get a dog. Because I have two cats and he hates You're right. He hates yeah. cats. But yeah. they're getting older and uh, I don't know how long they're going to be. My one cat actually has cancer right now. So sad. Oh. Uh, yeah. But it's it's been interesting. I mean, before I had kids and I only had my two cats, you know, like I, I 
took really great care of them and focused on them a lot. And as soon as I had kids, I just was like, it was totally one of those like trauma trigger things. Like the yeah. cats would come near me. I'm like, get away from me, the baby. You yeah. know, like, and I yeah. felt like a crazy person. And then the cats started like rebelling and peeing on our shoes and stuff. Cause they were like, you suck. What happened? <laughs> what you? Do? What happened to my person who wants to snuggle with me every night? Now you're snuggling with this other thing. And yeah, it's, you know, yeah, it's, and it, it's, again the other thing to just you know before we finish up you know is we have to be kind to ourselves jenna and again what does that mean that's a bit like the whole self-compassion self-care what does that mean and what it means is just even if we've totally lost it in a day we're still lovable and we can start a new day like i make mistakes all the time all the time like all the time and i notice how I notice that I'm recovering is I don't collapse in my mistakes the way I used to before. I'd be like, I mean, you know, just I couldn't even eat with how bad I felt, how, you know, what a terrible mother. Now I'm like, OK, you know, that's just more learning that you haven't been going to bed in time or you didn't get a walk today. So I use my mistakes now as markers for you just haven't you just haven't been looking after yourself, Harriet, or, you know. And I mean, it's easy for me to say this. I'm 43 now. Like I was crazy when they were younger, but I, I look back and I have so much compassion for that younger mom, that mom who was so earnest, who wanted like your mom, your mom wanted you to have a different experience to her. But because she wasn't in therapy or she didn't know, you know, she ended up doing the same thing. And that's what we do. I did it to my daughter. I wanted everything to be so different, but and it's OK. It's all OK. Yeah. I mean, she definitely, you know, she made a lot of the same mistakes that her mom did, but in other ways, she was rebelled so hard against the way that her mother mothered her and the way that her mom made her feel like she had to live up to what a woman was supposed to do. I mean, my mom, I'm pretty sure she got married because her mother thought she was supposed to. Yeah. And she got married at 21 and then the feminist revolution happened and she was like, wait, what? There's this whole rest of this world that could be open to me. And, and she struggled kind of the rest of her life with learning how to be her own person and to want to take care of herself and before even taking care of other people. And that, that it was a thing that, you know, a woman could earn her own money and take care of herself and didn't need to be married to a man in order to survive. she, I know that she really wanted me to learn that from day one. And that was like a huge thing for me. And she told me once that she didn't feel like being a woman was a good thing until after she had me. Wow. And she just didn't realize like how cool it could be. Like all the special things that you could do as a woman until after she had a daughter and was like, Oh my God, the world is so different for you than it was for me. And that she really wanted, you know, in some ways, I think she might've went too far to be more of my friend than my mother, but she never wanted to be the mother whose daughter was afraid to come to her when she had problems or when she had mistakes. So she she really meant well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so I remember her once I asked her, I think I was, I don't know, 14 or 15. And I was, you know, starting to go on dates with guys and being interested in boys and stuff like that. And and I was like, well, mom, like, you know, there's this one guy like this guy. And then I kind of like this other guy too. I was like, can you, is it possible to, to love more than one person in your life? And she goes, oh, you're going to love more than one person often at the same time. And I think about that a lot too. And, and then, you know, even relationships that we've been in that we're not in anymore. Like it, just because you're not with that person anymore, doesn't mean you don't still have love for them and yeah, 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 yeah. still be in love with them and know that they're not the right person yeah. to be with in your life. And that all of that is valuable and that you shouldn't feel wrong for loving more than one person, even though society kind of builds you up that way. I mean, it's, yeah. it is changing, so it is changing a little is, bit, is, you know, like there's, there's definitely, um, kind of the monogamish and open relationship tide yeah. is, is becoming a little more mainstream, which I think hopefully might lead to more healthier marriages for, yeah. for the next generation. Um, anyway, I could talk to you all day long about this stuff, but yeah, at, the end of, at the end of all of my shows, I ask all the guests the same five questions. 
Okay. Five question time. Five question time. Okay. So the first question is, tell me about an experience that shaped who you are today. Like a single moment that after that moment, you're like, oh, wow, the door is open. Okay. Um, I think giving birth to my daughter, my oldest, it like blew everything out of it. Like that's when I went from being a chronic people pleaser to be, to being like, however, I'm going to get the support. I'm not going to be a doormat anymore. And that was my, she was my why to be the warrior that I am. So that was, yeah, that's one answer. First answer. I love that. Okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Um, so initially I just have, I let myself have a good cry, you know, and I, I think crying is really cathartic and I didn't cry for a long time. I was just angry. So I cry very easily now, but I, I don't beat myself up. And then I, I just tell my, I, I very spiritual. So I have loads of different spiritual books, like kind of angel card books and daily guidance from the angels or trusting the universe books. So I go straight to one of those pages and I read what the message is and that kind of boosts me up then to just put my big girl blouse on and keep keep adulting Mm -hmm. yeah I'm glad that you said like I cry first and and I don't feel bad about it and that is definitely something that I have been working on throughout uh, the pandemic for sure Mm -hmm. that I I have long felt like a superhero um and aside from, you know, a, a very small handful of people, I like, I am not a cry in front of people kind of person. Yeah. And I'm typically the person that other people call when they want to cry. And I'm like, this is real awkward. And I don't know how to deal with you. Yeah. And so I've been trying to work on my own shame spiral about crying and just saying yeah. like, that is a good thing for you to be doing right now. If you feel like you have to cry, do it. And yeah. don't feel bad about it. And I've gotten yeah. a lot better at like crying a little bit instead of like waiting a year and then losing my mind for two days and then not being able to breathe out of my nose for another week and then coming back. So I was like, I yeah. don't want any more of that. So I've been getting okay. better at it. Well done. It takes practice. <laughs> As part of the impetus for me starting this, this show actually was um, there's this actor on Instagram uh, named Nico Tortorella, who is non-binary and in an open relationship and gender fluid and, and sexually fluid and just really like an open person, but very much male presenting. And yeah. they started doing this um, Instagram talk show kind of similar to this, um, but much more laid back. And they were just sitting in their bed every day and inviting random followers of their, you know, half a million followers on Instagram and just saying, Hey, who wants to come have a conversation? And started just talking to all these regular people about their regular lives and wow. um, talking about their own experience being quarantined. And it was just, it was really amazing and heartening to see this person who is very much, you know, macho male presenting to be on live on the internet with total strangers saying, I cry every day and like crying on this show, having a conversation with a total stranger you know, relating about their experience in this crazy world. And mm-hmm. um, it was just really amazing to watch that. And I was like, you know, mm-hmm. this macho quote unquote, you know, guy, that's how they, they look um, is, is crying in public. Famous person is crying publicly on the internet with a total stranger and having no shame about that. Like, why, why can't I do that? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so then I started yeah saying, you know, if they can have a show like that, I can have a show like this. And then I, yeah. I ended up starting my Keep show. Thanks, Nico, for uh, for putting your show out there. Um, it was great. Okay, number three. Tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Um, so I overcame a mistake, probably in relation to my children again, about losing my patience. And I always learned from the mistakes when I lose my patience um, about knowing, okay, that's just a marker that you haven't been looking after yourself. So I, you know, always try to really collaborate, come back again to Harriet and take a bit of time out and not give up and, you know, go, they're still going to love you. You know, I I feel like I don't deserve their love, but then I, they're all the, they're all the trauma thoughts. And I just 
stick with people that are supportive. That's what I would, the, having the right circle is crucial in terms of wanting to have happily ever after. So I had to cull a lot of people out of my life and it hasn't been dramatic. I haven't actually had to cull, but just the if we believe in the universal energy, the people that are meant to stay, stay. I always like Dr. Seuss, the people who mind don't matter. The people who matter don't mind. Mm-hmm. Of you exactly. being unapologetically. Exactly. Hope that answers. Love that. Okay, number four. What one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? Great question. I love your questions. Um, one trait is sleep. I minimum, I'm just a very sensitive person, so I need minimum eight and a half hours sleep a night. I eat, you know, but sleep. I'm very kind of um, regimental about my sleep. I mean, at the weekends, I can stay up till midnight, but I, I, I like to have lights out at 11. I'm up at 7 every morning. And it, it's just, it helps me with my health. It helps me with my, like when we're traumatized as well, if we don't have enough sleep, that's when we're, like, we're more agitated. So it helps. It's like the most natural way of just minding yourself. Yeah. And, and that's, we're sleep deprived as a nation. So, you know. Yeah. As a world, really. Yeah. I'm not sure if we talked about it when we talked before um, about the Enneagram tests. And no, but I, I I love them. What do you know? What number you are? I'm either one or four. So one is perfectionist. I kind of veer between, and four is like really sensitive and just really blames themselves for everything. You know that that child in the family that even though you know, like for your story of you know, so much was out of your control, but and so much was out of my control. But I, I, I'm really that personality that if someone cancels, I'm like, oh, what have I done? You know, the electricity goes, oh, my God, I've, I've, I've cut a wire, you know, kind of neurotically self-hatred. So, yeah, probably one or four. I'm definitely a seven and I'm, I'm the enthusiast. And wow, I, it was really interesting for me learning about that and then learning yeah. that. Um, you know, my, my personality type behavior type is very much saying I'm going to do whatever I can do to avoid dealing with pain and conflict and all of those things. And in order to do that, I will take on lots and lots of new things and new projects to give me hope looking for the future. So I don't have to deal with any of that. Yeah. And and so like my happy place is having way too many things going on and it helps me to feel in control to start new things, even if I have no idea how they're going to be finished. Yeah. And my husband is a five and he's like the planner. Mm-hmm. And so he takes one look at the way that I live my life and it like makes him so anxious. Like, how do you, how are you starting all these things when you don't even have energy to do one of these things? And I'm like, how do you, not want to start stuff all the time you know like how could yeah you there's a really good plan, book you know for there's a book actually when you're ready about the enneagram and the spiritual dimension of the enneagram or for some of your listeners sandra matry it's it's a very good um book in relation to the spiritual aspect of what numbers we are so um you can i'll send it to you in messenger and you can post that when you yeah. put this podcast up you can put the link yeah, but I'll definitely put put all the links in there. Uh, okay, so question number five before I get yeah. more distracted. What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten and what advice would you give to other people? Oh, okay. God, I can't think of what's the best, but it's purely just blank. It's such a fabulous question. I think, no, I can't. I, I'm, I'm very passionate about... Um, Nelson Mandela, I always have been. And so okay, I've never physically met him, but I feel like I have because I've always, and his advice was, who are you to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, famous? He said this when he was inaugurated president of South Africa. And he shouted out to South Africa at the time. And South Africa are struggling, actually. Anyway, that's another story at the moment. They're struggling as a nation big time. He said, who are you not to be? You were a child of the universe. You're playing small, does nothing to serve anyone. And he goes on to say, it's actually when you liberate yourself to be the best version of yourself, you liberate all women. You, so that that's my that's what pushes me all the time. 
to be more compassionate, to stop self-harming, to get back up on the horse when I have a terrible childish moment with my daughter when I she's 13 and I'm like 13 with her and I just keep going and I don't give up and every time I struggle I think of him who was he was incarcerated in solitary confinement and I'm like if he can do it you can keep turning towards living better Harriet mm-hmm. oh and what advice was it yeah so the advice I probably answered it was um you're way more than your story. Your story can be beautiful. Scars, like the advice is like what you said in your poem, Janet. I have a tree that represents me on my walk and it's fully scarred. It doesn't even have much leaves on it, even in summer. But it's so long and elegant, but it's like got massive scars. And it's like our scars make us who we are. They're, they're our beauty. It's like um, in Japan, when a, it, the tradition in Japan was when a bowl broke. Do you know that story? They actually seal the bowl, they don't throw it out in the garbage. They seal it with gold and they honour it as even being more special. And Leonard Cohen says the cracks are where the light gets in. So that's all our beauty. It's like and and changing our mindset about that rather than the perfectionism, because I believe everything happens at the other side of perfectionism. I mean, today I could have been totally freaked out. Oh, my dog is here. We need to cancel the, you know, it's like my dog even coming today was meant to come because I want you, your audience, to think about how supportive pets can be and how healing pets can be. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we can stop so much because we're just in this tunnel vision. The universe has our back, especially if we get the right support. And I suppose if people want to link in with me, I open some slots for psychotherapy. I, I work, like a lot of my work at the moment is on strategy and mindset. But like if people resonate with me, please get in touch. And I offer them a 30 minute call that's complimentary and we'll dive in together to see, you know, am I going to be your person to move you from fear, which is false evidence appearing real to living abundantly, to having strategies so that you're not life isn't happening to you. You're in control of your own life. Mm-hmm. So you can put the links for getting in touch with me and um, Jenna that I've sent you. And best way to get in touch is mindfulpeeps at gmail.com. OK, awesome. So um, I know you just told people how to email you. Do you have your own website as well? Yeah, I do. And it's I've just got uh, my web developer just literally it's going to go. It's live, but there's some tweaks that have to happen. It's harrietmcguigan.com. Okay. And, and I've loads of, blog, I've loads of um, posts on it. I, I blog a lot um, about trauma and about grief. And, you know, it's very creative. I speak every, definitely every Sunday night, but I speak a lot on my social media. So I have a, a big following there. So that's also a good place to hang out with me. Harriet McGuigan Mindset is my social media link for Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Perfect. So I will have all of those linked in the show notes. And if you're watching the video, it will have appeared on the screen magically with my somewhat decent editing skills. And you will check them out there. Um, so thank you so much, Harriet, for being uh, on my show and having this wonderful conversation and, and sharing your advice and, and your stories and your experience with everybody. And um, I hope that you all will continue to support Reach the Stars podcast. If you love this show, please uh, consider being a patron on Patreon and helping continue uh, increasing the reach of the show. It's patreon.com slash reach the stars. And if you listen on iTunes, give us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, give a little thumbs up on the bottom and subscribe to the channel and, and just please share it with your friends and your family. Um, because I have, I've had a lot of really amazing feedback from people who've listened to this show and said, I've never heard a podcast that's quite like this one. Um, because it's, it's so much more of like hanging out with a couple of amazing friends in a room as opposed to, being sold something. And I think that it's really important for us in this world where we're just increasingly being distanced from each other, obviously in the pandemic, socially distanced, but um, digitally distanced to have spaces where we can have these face-to-face conversations and look each other in the eye, even if it's digitally. Um, It's just such a different way of communicating than sending a text message or sending an email. It's just, it's a different thing. So I'm really glad to have this podcast and to put it out there for all of you. And I hope you all will join us next week. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone.
A single interaction has the power to change your life forever. This is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.